Mark chapter 1, if you have a Bible, Mark chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in the seat back pocket in front of you or under a seat if you're up front. We're, we're in a new series that's called The Invitation. It's a study in the Gospel of Mark. Jewish rabbis invited their disciples to take their yoke on their shoulders. The yoke of the rabbi was their interpretation of the law or their teaching. The goal was, as the rabbis would yoke themselves with their disciples, that they would walk in step together. The goal of the disciple was to become just like the rabbi, to walk exactly like the rabbi. Jesus invited his disciples to take his yoke. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, right? So Jesus asked all of his followers to take his yoke, his teaching, and to, to stay in step with him. In fact, to become just like him. So what does it mean to be a fully devoted follower or disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to take Christ's yoke on your shoulders and walk with him and become just like him? That's the whole point of this series called The Invitation. It's an invitation to discipleship. Let's pray. God, thank you for the power of your word, and we pray that you would reveal your truth to us this morning, that you would help us not only to understand what's being taught, but then, Lord, how to apply it in our lives. So we, we welcome your ministry here, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would touch every life seated here and online today, that, that, that you would encourage, comfort, heal, deliver, restore our lives through the power of your spirit today, God, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Have you ever had a, a window of opportunity close in your life? A window of opportunity close. So in 2018, my Los Angeles Dodgers were in the World Series against the Boston Red Sox. And uh, I wanted to go to the game. My daughter lives in Texas. My brother, I, I was living out uh, here. My brother-in-law was in Northern California with his son. And the four of us wanted to go to the Dodger game in L.A. together. And I had a friend that, that had a contact for me with the Los Angeles Dodgers organization where I could go online and get tickets for the, the price that employees were paying, which was way less than like scalpers and, and StubHub and all of that. So um, I, he gave me the, the link and I, and I went on the website. Uh, I, I wasn't quite sure exactly how much like my daughter, what her cap was to spend on a ticket or what my brother-in-law's cap was. But so I kind of went into it a little bit blind, but I, but I, I, I log in and, and, and I'm, I'm starting to fill out the information uh, for name and those kinds of things. And in the upper right-hand corner, this, this countdown clock starts ticking, starts four minutes. And underneath it, it says, you have four minutes to, to finish your transaction. I'm like, four minutes? And you're asking for all this information? I, I still have to go in, find seats, find ticket prices, find four together in a place that we want. I'm like, okay, so trying as quickly as I can. And so they asked for my email address. And then I thought they were asking for a password. I'm like, why are you asking for a password? So I'm, I'm panicked by this point. I type in a password, eh. Okay, type in a pen. I'm freaked. Shirlene walks in. She says, dude, what's going on? I said, this computer's so wacky. They're asking me to, to repeat, the, the, uh, give me a password. She said, no, no, that's not what they're asking. She said, they, they, they want you to, to, to confirm your email address. 
just just slow down, Tiger, and just we got we got this, okay? And just like she's like my hero coming to my rescue, right? And so so then I'm I'm, I'm I get in, I, I type in my you know confirmation of email, and I get in, and then I'm searching for seats, and and I finally click on, I purchase the tickets, like three seconds to go, and that window is closing, like right? I got the tickets though. That that pressure of trying to do something before the the window closes, that that can just send panic into into me. Charlene and I, my wife, we know a, a young lady that was, was dating a guy a few years ago, and, and <clears throat> he was dragging his feet, and they'd been dating for a long time, and she's like, well, what, what, where's our relationship at? Are, are we going to get married? What's going on? And he just continued to drag his feet, and she said, she said, if you don't propose to me by this date, that ship has sailed, okay? Like, I'm done in this relationship. She gave him a date, and that window started closing. He made the right decision. He proposed to her pretty quickly after that, and, and they, uh, they have a great family now. Uh, but, but he had to feel the pressure of a, of a window closing, right? So Adam Barrett, our next-gen pastor, was sharing with us this week. He had been on a, a renewal leave. Every seven years, we get a few weeks for sabbatical or, or renewal. And he, he had taken his family out of the country, and they were staying at a hostel or a hotel of some type. And he said that the, the weird thing was they shut the water off certain hours during the day. So from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. in the hotel or hostel, they shut the water off. And then again, from 9 p.m. to, to 6 a.m., they shut the water. I guess you don't, because there's no toilets when the water's shut off, right? So I guess if you have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I don't know what you do. And if you can't, if you can't discipline your bowels to go to the bathroom during the open season for the toilet, that could be a stinky mess in your hotel room. I, I don't know. What, exactly what happened, but, but right, you got to go, and that window's closing in time. What, what if the kingdom of God, entering the kingdom of God, had a window of opportunity? And what if the window of opportunity to enter the kingdom of God was closing? And it is. Mark chapter 1, let's, let's read what Mark has to say about God's kingdom. Mark 1, verse 14, now after Jesus, I'm sorry, after John the Baptist had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God, say kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus not only invites his disciples to come follow him. Jesus not only invites his disciples to have eternal life or heaven when they die, but Jesus actually asks his disciples to enter the kingdom of God, to enter his kingdom. The kingdom of God is a key theme in the gospel of Mark. In fact, 16 times Mark mentions or quotes someone saying or talking about the kingdom of God. It's significant. So the question I want to answer this morning is what does Mark teach us about entering God's kingdom? Or what does Mark teach us about the kingdom of God? And the first thing is this, Jesus is alone on the stage. Jesus is alone on the stage. There we go. Again, verse 14. After John the Baptist had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. Look at the timing of that. By God's sovereignty... As John is stepping off of the public stage of ministry, Jesus is stepping onto the public stage. At the same time that John is stepping out of the spotlight, 
Jesus is stepping into the spotlight, and that is by God's sovereign plan. John was aware of this in advance. John knew that, that a time was coming when he was going to step off the stage and Jesus was going to step onto the stage. Here's what John the Baptist says in John chapter 3. John the Baptist is speaking. He says, you yourselves, speaking to the people, you know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for the Messiah. It's the bridegroom, that's a reference to Jesus, it's the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the bridegroom's friend, or the best man of the wedding, is simply glad to stand with the groom and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. John says he, Jesus, must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Or he must increase and I must decrease. Now, John knew this was coming. Do you think it was hard for John to step off the stage? Do you think it was hard for John to step out of the spotlight to allow Jesus to step into? The, do you think it was hard for John to become less that Jesus might become greater? You have to understand who John was. John was the most powerful preacher of righteousness that, that really the Bible had ever seen. I mean, he was incredible. Thousands of people were, were flocking from Jerusalem and the surrounding area to come to the Jordan Valley to hear John preach. And it wasn't like they were coming to, to have a feel-good feeling about the message of John. He was basically saying, you're snakes, you're sinners, repent of your sin. But they were coming out in droves because his preaching was so powerful. They'd get convicted and then they'd be baptized by John in the Jordan River. Do you think it was hard for John? He was the man. Thousands of people coming to hear him preach. And he knew that when Jesus stepped onto the stage, he had to step off. So my, my junior year of college, I played basketball for four years at Azusa Pacific. My junior year, I had my best year up to that point. I, I was so looking forward to my senior year. It's like, man, this, we had some good guys coming back. This is going to be a great year. Hopefully, I was going to have an even better year than I had before. Well, the summer between my junior year and senior year, uh, a guy that had played basketball, high school basketball in the area where, where our school was, uh, had gone to, I think it was Idaho, and played Division I basketball, which is the highest level of college basketball. We were a lower level. So he went there and for whatever reason withdrew from school, dropped out. He was back in our area just working. Our coach heard about that and he called him and said, hey, are, are you still interested in playing basketball? What happened? And he said, yeah, it just wasn't a good fit for me or whatever. And coach said, would you like to come play for us? And, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't want him to come play here because he's good, right? And so he says, yeah. So he, he came and he joined our team and he stepped into the spotlight. He, he, he stepped onto the stage and I stepped off of the stage as he took my place, my starting position. And, and, uh, and he um, was a great player and, and he was a way better offensive player than I was. So really deserved to do that. But, but that was a struggle for me to, to get replaced. You know, we all get replaced at some point. Did you know that? We, we all get replaced. There's a point that we all step off the stage and someone else steps onto the stage. Parents, we, we, we raise our children and then they, they replace us with, by marrying somebody, right? I mean, they, they have a new best friend. They don't even want to hang around us much anymore, right? I mean, they go and get somebody and they're living a happy life together and they, they kind of leave us behind. 
right? We, we get replaced. Maybe you've been replaced at work. Maybe you've retired. Maybe the point came in your life where, where you, it, it was time for you to be done, and they brought someone in. And the worst thing is, is when the person that replaces you is way better than you. That's horrible. Because then they're like, wheels who? Right? They're like, Jeff who? Oh, yeah, he used to work here. Yeah, we don't even care anymore because we've got a great guy now that's taken his place. <clears throat> I think it was incredibly hard for John, <clears throat> who had a powerful ministry, was in the spotlight to step off the stage even for Jesus. He's human. He's like us. And see, we're like that. We, we like the attention. We, we like the praise of people. We, we like being recognized by people. We, we, we have a tendency to, to kind of even promote ourselves to get that attention or to get the, the, the praise of people sometimes. We have to be really careful about it. I think part of our sinful fallen nature is self-promotion. I think we, we long for that recognition. I think we long for that attention in our lives. And, and so like John the Baptist, as, as Jesus, as we enter the kingdom and Jesus steps onto the stage of our life, we have to step off. As Jesus steps into the spotlight of our lives, we have to step away from that. I think that's a, that's a really tough transition. Now, I'm a, I'm a sports guy. And so I watch a lot of sports and, and I'm aware of certain professional athletes or college athletes that, that profess to be Christians. So I'm always really interested when they're interviewed like after a game, like, okay, where, where are they at with the Lord? Like really? And so there's, there's a young man, his name is CJ Stroud. He's the quarterback for the Houston Texans. This was his rookie season. He, 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 they had a great year and he had a great year. In fact, he was the rookie of the year. Fantastic year and, and an outspoken Christian. What I noticed about CJ was whenever they interviewed him after the game, the, 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 the reporter had to just, just stop and, and just cop 30 to 60 seconds because he was going to talk about Jesus. They just knew that, so, they just, so they'd say, hey, CJ, what a great last drive. I mean, you guys went 78 yards. You were six for seven on the drive. You threw the final touchdown pass with three seconds left. What did that feel like? And he goes, I just want to stop for a second. I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because without him, I wouldn't even be here. And, and here's what he's done in my life, and to God be the glory, Right? You know what CJ is doing? He's stepping off the stage and he's letting Jesus step on the stage. He's stepping out of the spotlight for a moment and letting Jesus step into the spotlight. He's, he's refusing to promote himself in that moment and he wants to promote Christ. Are we like that? You know, it's really easy in, in conversations with people to, to turn the conversation to us. Like, have you ever been talking to someone and you're sharing with them a, a struggle or a problem or a pain or something going on in your life and, and, and they say, yeah, well, when I, when I had that and then, and then they hijack the conversation and you're like, wait a second, we were talking about me. Now we're just talking about you. Like, what happened here? And we, we interject our own life into that. I'm not saying you can never share your story because sometimes that's appropriate. I, I'm, saying, I'm, I'm saying that we just gotta be careful that that when you, when you enter the kingdom of God, like John the Baptist, it's our responsibility to step off the stage and bring Jesus center stage. It's our responsibility to step out of the spotlight and say, to, to, to God be the glory in my life for whatever has happened. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Paul says this, whatever, whether, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Man, that was, that was so great, that thing that you did. Thank you, praise God. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that the Lord's given me the ability to do that. 
And, and you, again, shift the spotlight off of yourself onto the Lord. The second truth about the kingdom of God is the invitation will expire. The invitation will expire. Verse 15. Jesus says, the time has come. Say the time has come. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Therefore, repent, turn from your sin, and believe. Turn to God, believe the good news of salvation through Christ. There's two words in the Greek language for time. One of them is chronos, and one of them is kairos. Chronos and kairos. Chronos is exactly what it sounds like. It's chronological time. It's linear time. It's unending time. It's measured. It's measured by seconds and minutes and and days, hours and days and weeks and months. It's, It's measured. Kairos is a moment in time. It's a space in time. It's a season. It's an era in time. So Kairos falls into Kronos. Kronos is ongoing time that never ends. It's exactly the same all the time. Kairos is a a moment. It's a pause. It's an opportunity that happens within Kronos. Jesus says the Kairos has come. The moment, the opportunity, the season. The season of what? The kingdom of God coming to the earth. Now, the whole Old Testament had, had promised and prophesied about the coming of God's kingdom, that the king, the Messiah, was going to bring the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven was, was coming to the earth. And Jesus said, that moment is here. We'll talk about this in just a second. But the reason that the kingdom of God has come was because the king had come. The king was here. And therefore, this, this opportunity for people to enter the kingdom of God was now possible. It was open. But the window of opportunity was closing. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled. The time is now. Everything you've heard about the coming of the kingdom, it's being fulfilled right now. The window's open, but the window's closing. You need to have a sense of urgency related to entering the kingdom because that door's not going to be, that window's not going to be open forever. Tom Gage is a, is a, a gentleman in our congregation. He was our, our elder chairman for a few years and good, good friend of mine. He and his wife, Pamela, have attended here for, for probably 10 years or so. A few weeks ago on a Thursday night, Tom and Pamela, uh, she's 69, they, they went out for dinner, had a great time, uh, came back when they went to bed. Tom woke up in the morning and Pamela didn't. And Pamela had no health issues. I'm not even sure if they even know now what, what the cause of death was. Wasn't on any medication, really healthy, and just didn't wake up in the morning. And Tom lost his wife. Now, Pamela knew Christ. When, when Pamela took her last breath here, she took her first breath in heaven. She, she was prepared. She had already entered the kingdom of God. But for those of you or those of you that you know that have not made a decision to step into the kingdom now in this life while that window of opportunity is still there, you don't know what a day brings. Man, you are playing with fire if you say, well, someday, when, when, I've, when I've sowed my wild oats, wild oats, when I've done everything I want to do, then, then I'll get serious about religion, then I'll get serious about God, and you may wake up on the wrong side of the bed one day, having not entered the kingdom of God. See, there, there, there's a timetable. This invitation expires. So the question is, have, have you already entered the kingdom of God?
The third truth that, that Mark teaches about the kingdom is that the kingdom of God is the, the reign of Jesus. The kingdom of God is the reign of Christ. Again, verse 15. Jesus says the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near, or the kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of God is, is, is close by. That, that's what it says in the Greek. It, it, it's here. How could the kingdom of God be here? I already said it was, it was there in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And so wherever Jesus goes, the kingdom goes. See, the, the, the kingdom of God is, is essentially the, the rulership or authority or power or reign of Jesus. Now, Jesus said this in a parable that he taught in Luke chapter 19. Jesus said, a nobleman was called to, to, away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return, uh, assumably, to reign, right? So the, the, the people of that day completely understood what Jesus was talking about. When, when someone in the Roman Empire was, was uh, chosen to be a, a governor or a king or over an emperor over an area, they had to go to Rome. And in Rome, they were, they were declared or, or uh, you know, whatever the word is, they were made king. And that, mean that, th that means that they were given the authority to reign. And then it says he, they went back and they ruled or they reigned with the authority that they got in Rome over whatever region or territory they were, they were king over. See, a kingdom is not essentially a territory, although it can include that. A, a kingdom is not necessarily the subjects or the people that you rule. The kingdom is authority and power to reign. And so Jesus certainly reigns over the church. Jesus is certainly the king over that. But the, but the kingdom of God is his, it's his reign. It's his authority. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means this. How do we enter the kingdom of God? What gives us access to the kingdom? To enter the kingdom of God means that you submit to the rulership or the reign or the authority of Jesus. See, see, he's the king of the kingdom. And if you, you, you can't step into that kingdom and say, well, I'm, I'm a king and he's a king and we just kind of coexist. No, he, he's the only king because he rules in the kingdom of God. Now, surrendering to the rulership or the reign of Jesus doesn't save you. That would be a human work. But surrendering to the rulership or the reign of Christ is evidence that you do have faith. See, we're saved by faith through grace, right? We're not saved by human works. We're saved because we believe in Jesus Christ. But what is it that we believe about Jesus? Mark tells us he's the king and he has a kingdom. And if you wanna enter that kingdom, you have to surrender your, the rule of your life to Christ. You have to say, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is king, Jesus is master, and I'm going, to, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to abdicate the throne of my own heart, and I'm going to invite Jesus to be the leader and the Lord and the king of my life. That's what it means to enter his kingdom. So have you done that? Have you yielded yourself to the rule of the king of God's kingdom? Or are you still trying to be king? Who's actually sitting on the throne of your heart? Who's the king of your life? I was 19 years old and, and I went to my pastor at that time and I had been a couple years in college 
college, I was beginning to feel a stirring to go into full-time ministry. And I went out with my pastor and I shared that with him. And for an hour, he did everything to discourage me from going into the ministry. He said, it's horrible. He said, you're gonna get betrayed. You're gonna get broken. People are gonna stab you in the back. It's gonna be a miserable existence unless God has for sure called you, do anything else you can do. At that time, I was studying, I was a, a communication major in college and wanted to go into like sports journalism or sports reporting or something to do with sports. That was kind of my heart and my passion. It seemed like a great career for me. I like to write and communicate and, and I would have loved to tie that into some kind of sports situation. But God was saying something else. This guy, I don't know if pastors are supposed to, he's saying, don't go into the ministry. And yet there's something of Christ saying, this is my call. So you surrender to the king, not to your own desires. So I said, yes, I'll change my major. I'll, I'll pursue a different course in my life to, to, to do ministry full-time. Greatest decision I ever made because it was God's call for me, see? At the moment, it was incredibly hard because I thought this is best for my life. This would be the best possible career I could ever have. And God said, I have something better. Will you yield to my rule in this moment? Fast forward a little bit. 1999, I was offered a position as an associate pastor in Freeport, Illinois. Now my kids had grown up in Orange County area, uh, down near the beach. They were, they were kind of Southern California kids, you know, 17 million people in the, in the greater Los Angeles area. And we moved to Freeport, Illinois, 25,000 people in the cornfields and secluded area of Illinois. They're eighth grade, 11th grade and 12th grade. You figure that one out parents, horrible time to move. We delayed it. They offered it to us and we initially said yes. Then we said no, continued to pray about it. About a year later, we, we said yes. And, and so you're thinking, it's not just me and it's not just my wife, but it's our kids. Like it's gonna affect their lives. And Jesus said, go. So in that moment, what a decision. Do we stay in Southern California? We had, we had a good thing going on there or do we go to the unknown? So we went to the unknown and my kids flourished. See the safest place, the best place, the most prosperous place to be in your life as parents or as families is right in the middle of God's will. Saying yes to the king. When you say yes to the king, good things always follow when you lay it down before him. Fast forward a little bit more, it's, it's 2010. I had been teaching in a Christian high school and coaching basketball for four years. I had started this, this program when they were not in good shape, got some really good kids in. We turned this thing around. Going into the fifth year, my fifth year of coaching, I had 13 seniors returning. It was all seniors. I mean, we were gonna clean up. It was gonna be the greatest year ever. And a friend of mine comes to me, there was a Baptist pastor in the area. And he said, hey, Jeff, would you, would you, would you pray about leaving the school and, and coming and being my associate pastor. I'd love to have you on staff. I said, no, I'm not gonna pray about that one. I, <laughs> heck no, man, I got, I got a good deal going on right here. Call me in a year, call me after the season's over. But God was in it and, and I took it to the Lord. And then I did the, the flesh thing, the human thing, the thing that you would do. I went to the superintendent of the school and I said, hey, what if I took this position? Could I still be an off-campus coach and just do this one more year? He said, no. 
when, when, when we try to submit to the flesh, it just, it never really works out, right? He said, no, you make a choice. You can stay here and coach, or you can go be a pastor in a church. You do. Those are hard decisions. So I prayed about it. Felt like God was saying that's the right thing to do. I had never been in a Baptist church in my life. Didn't know that by going on staff at that church, a year later, Central would call me here. Partly because I was in a Baptist church. How does God work? This has been the greatest experience of my wife and I's life. Do you, do, you, do you stay in coach or do you take that, that opportunity? You do whatever the king asks you to do, right? To enter the kingdom means Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is Lord. And daily we are faced with decisions. Do I yield to Christ? Do I yield to the king? Or do I sit on the throne of my life? Every day we make that choice. What does it mean to enter the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God? It means... We step off the stage and Jesus steps on. It means we step out of the spotlight, stop promoting ourselves and start promoting Christ in our life. The invitation to enter the kingdom is, is expiring. What does that do for us in terms of if you don't know the Lord or there's people in your life that don't know the Lord? It ought to create an urgency in your heart to pray more and to share Christ more. Is there another king in your life besides Jesus? Kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is here. Make a choice. No one's gonna force you to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's an invitation. He says, take my yoke. I'm inviting you into my kingdom. You're gonna experience incredible blessing and joy. But there's gonna be some tough decisions along the way. Because there's times that when I lead your life, I don't go in the direction that you want to go. And you're going to have to trust and follow. Lord, this morning, we thank you for the power of your word. And Lord, this morning, we would just, in our hearts, be honest and say, Lord, there's things that we need to surrender. Things that we're doing that you're not calling us to do. Maybe sins maybe just direction of life. Lord, would you help us to understand that the, the best, most prosperous, safe place to be is yielded to Christ. Lord, for those that are wrestling today with tough decisions, speak clearly, guide them and lead them. Help them to understand what you're saying in this situation. God, God give us a, a tender heart. Give us a submitted heart that Jesus alone can sit on the throne. Pray all this in Christ's name.